Hey, hey, party people, welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches, a weekly show where I sit down with the world's most interesting entrepreneurs, writers, artists, and leaders to get inside their heads and hearts to extract practical wisdom you can apply to your own entrepreneurial and creative pursuits. Yeah, that's a mouthful, but that's why we're here today. Listener JJ Mitchell 94 says, In the Trenches is a great shot in the arm on my way to work in the morning. He's an excellent moderator. I hate to miss it. And that is a five-star iTunes review. Thanks, JJ. You have great taste and you're spot on. Today's show is going to be a shot in the arm for those of you who want to improve your focus, increase your energy, and find more joy in the work you do on a day-to-day basis. I'm excited to introduce John Jantz. John is the founder creator of Duct Tape Marketing, the consultancy and book by the same name. He's also the author of The Referral Engine, Duct Tape Selling, The Commitment Engine, and SEO for Growth. His newest work, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, 366 Daily Meditations to Feed Your Soul and Grow Your Business taps into the wisdom of 19th century transcendentalist literature and the author's own 30-year entrepreneurial journey to challenge today's entrepreneurs to remain fiercely self-reliant while chasing their own version of success. And my big takeaway from today's call, there are two major challenges that every entrepreneur will run into, two major roadblocks. The first is distraction, losing time, not making useful gains because you're getting sidetracked. It's the result of a lack of focus, if you will, But ultimately, distraction is really crippling because there's only so many days in a row that you cannot make progress before you have to throw in the towel for anything you're doing. So remember that. Distraction will keep you from making those daily gains. And the second thing that John shares is like one of the biggest challenges or failure points for entrepreneurs and creatives is comparison. And that's getting caught up in what other people are doing. So the reason comparison is so deadly is because at best, it's a distraction So we're still left with that number one problem that maybe most entrepreneurs, most creators face. But at worst, it can compromise your goals because you begin to mimic someone else's outside and you have no idea what's under the hood. I think that's the most dangerous aspect of it. Not even just, oh, I'm not doing as well as this person or I wish I I was happy as these people look in this photo. Although there's that too and that could be self-defeating. But I think from a business standpoint, be very wary of mimicking somebody's outside and trying to replicate somebody else's business model when all you've seen is the hood, or maybe a a quick peek under the hood. You know, the way you learn to build an engine is not by looking at a bunch of hoods or popping the hoods and looking at a bunch of engines. You learn how to build an engine by building an engine. And that's your engine for your business, your art, your writing. That's what you have to focus on. Build the engine. Look at the principles, look at the foundational stuff you need, implement it, and do that every day and go forward. Don't worry about somebody else's outside. Don't get it caught in the comparison game. All right, so that's just like one of the interesting insights of many from my conversation today with John Jantz. So I think you guys are really gonna like today's call. So I'm gonna leave it at that and I hope you guys enjoy. So John, let's kick things off before we get into the self-reliant entrepreneur and what you're kind of doing in this publishing space, what this book is about um, and how it can be used. Let's go back in time. And I know there's gonna be a lot of ground to cover, but (laughs) how did you get into marketing in the first place? Because a lot of people know you as you know the duct tape, marketer, yeah. Right. So, yeah. tell so us, give us a little bit of your backstory there. Yeah. So I'm going to start in second grade. Um, no, not actually. <laughs> a little farther than that. Um, you know, I got out of college and went to work for an ad agency. And about five years into that, I realized I, I really wanted to work for myself. I wanted to do my own thing. So, like a lot of people, I jumped out with no plan. <laughs> you know, just I knew I could hustle some work and. Uh, so that was kind of my foray into the marketing consulting world. And that was just almost three decades ago uh, that, I, that I did that. You know, after I did it for a few years, I realized that, uh, you know, I 
I took whatever work I could get, any type of client I could get, any kind of project. And uh, I started kind of gravitating towards small business owners. I, I just found them a lot more fun and rewarding to work with, but they were also very challenging. I mean, they had the same needs and um, you know challenges as much larger businesses, but certainly not the same budgets or even attention spans. So uh, at some point, I decided I needed to create this very systematic way uh, to work with small business if I was going to, where I could walk in and say, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you're going to do. Here are the results we hope we get. And here's what it costs. Um, and that was actually the genesis of the duct tape marketing system. I had to felt like I had to give it kind of more of a name, a producty, you know, brandy name. So I came up with the with the name duct tape marketing. And what I found out was, um, you know, in trying to solve my frustration, I tapped into what is still today one of the greatest frustrations with a lot of small businesses. It's really hard to buy marketing services. I mean, everybody's selling a piece to the puzzle, and it's got the puzzle's gotten a lot more complex, you know, over the last couple decades and so uh, this this idea of a you know installing a marketing system with a set price was was really very appealing. I, I started writing about that you know really kind of when blogging and podcasting and things uh, first started in uh, you know two thousand three two thousand four. Started attracting a lot of folks and attention you know online with with this approach and you know maybe to some degree with this name <laughs> duct tape marketing, um, and and that you know turned into then. My first book, which is uh, called Duct Tape Marketing. And then I just named everything. My blog, my podcast, uh, pretty much everything Duct Tape Marketing. And I actually even expanded. I didn't really want to grow my own organization um, to have consultants. But I knew I wanted to work with more more business owners. So um, I, I also I expanded by licensing the Duct Tape Marketing system to now about 150 small agencies and, and consultants around the world. Uh, that formed the duct tape marketing consultant network, and so you know now we work uh, with you know thousands of small business owners uh, installing the duct tape marketing system. Yeah, and that's why I'm, it's I think it's interesting too. Um, your move from kind of more more purely focused on on the marketing side of things to what you're doing now with the self reliant entrepreneur, and kind of going I think more from it, what it seems like to me the specific um, marketing side of things to kind of the holistic entrepreneur or business owner side of things a little bit. Is that a shift that was intentional? Yeah, no, no, no question. I mean, this is my sixth book. My, fr- my five other books have been squarely about how to do some aspect of marketing. But I also think that... Uh, I think being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurship is probably the greatest personal development program you know, ever created. Um, and, and so you know, I've been on a journey myself. Uh, I, I just think we as entrepreneurs, if we're not working on ourselves, we're not growing... We're not, you know, realize, stretching ourselves and and kind of chasing after things that that, that really interest us. I, you know, we we're going to get run over. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to write a book that that really addressed more of the mindset. I, th- I think there's so much content out there, so many books out there, so much how to do stuff uh, that that we really there's no lack of that. Uh, but I think there is a little bit of a, a, a lack, especially in the entrepreneur space. I mean, I, I don't. Think there's another book exactly like this that is meant to just be kind of a mindset, you know, why to do what we're doing, um, that that kind of acts as a, a a daily practice, you know, as opposed to just you know read this book and and you know you've got it down and you know over a weekend or over vacation and now you can go back to work. This is this is almost like a workbook. It is set up as uh, every single day of the calendar, you get a new page with a new thought and, and uh, a question even um, to, to try to challenge you that day. So it's, I wanted to fit into that kind of morning routine space, which is a practice that, that I know a lot of entrepreneurs have. I personally 
uh, have to to kind of get your day started right. Uh, because uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to try to trip you up throughout the day, and and I think a lot of entrepreneurs kind of take that morning time to to really get themselves centered. And so, wanted to write something that fit into that space. Well, on the to comment on the idea of there's a lot of like information, there's a lot of how tos out there, but less on this other side, like the why. And I, I think that's something I'm noticing too. Like, and I think that's maybe a natural progression of kind of where things are at, you know, with the like yeah. e-course boom and podcasts and blogs, and there's just so much free content and then paid content, great stuff for cheaper and cheaper. Um, so it's like people aren't really struggling to find like what to do, but you know, I'll give in a, a boxing analogy. It's like to be a really good boxer, you do have to have a trainer. You have to have somebody to do mitts with you, you know? And it's like, but it's like, you know, and, and maybe that's a person, but in this context, I think there's also tools we can use. And it seems like, you know, a daily journal or, or something like that, some kind of tool like this would be more on the, the mitt side of the training, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I think, I think you have seen a lot of, I mean, some, you know, journals are probably the biggest selling category, you know, online for, uh, for entrepreneurs, I think. And, and, and it's because I think a lot of entrepreneurs really see a lot of value in, you know, thinking about what they stand for, thinking about, you know, their, their, you know, kind of values that they're going to bring into every day, thinking about, you know, how they stay true to what, what they want to do. I mean, uh, the, the title of this book, uh, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, borrows from Ralph Waldo Emerson's uh, essay titled Self-Reliance. And it was, it was really, uh, in fact, the entire book is, is really based on uh, a great deal of this uh, mid-19th century writing. Um, I happen to think that that was, was a period of some of the best writing for entrepreneurs, even though they weren't writing <laughs> for entrepreneurs. Uh, it, it was a period when uh, the literature, we think about what we were doing in America at the time. In about 1850, uh, we were on the cusp of the Civil War. Women were marching in the streets to get the right to vote. We were trying to abolish slavery. It, it was uh, the first countercultural period in America. And, and a lot of the literature of the time was about, hey, you've got to think for yourself. You've got to follow your own heart. You don't have to listen to the preacher or your parents or the politicians or you know, the people that tell you you need to you know, follow a certain path. You need to, you need to think for yourself and, and live for yourself. And it was the first time you really saw that kind of uh, writing in American literature. And, and it even uh, crept over into the fiction. You know, Moby Dick and Scarlet Letter and and Little Women. I mean, those were all protagonists that were, you know, very much uh, realized that it was going to cost them to follow their heart, but but they needed to do that. And I just happen to think that's some of the greatest advice for entrepreneurs. Um, and and you know, this this literature has stood the test of time uh, to where I think it it really offers some some great wisdom. And all I've tried to do is contextualize it for maybe today's entrepreneur. When you were putting something like this together, I'm curious, how do you decide like how you're going to organize your thoughts? Um, I kind of how, how you approach this because you said you had a morning routine. And so I'm kind of curious what you just adopted from like your own personal like success habits or principles or, or, or systems. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I, I do happen to do and have done for years is I, I do meditate and I'd like to read something that I think is very inspirational. Um, you know, maybe it'll be something that really touches on something I'm working on, uh, but it, you know, it'd be a short reading. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, the the format of this book was kind of for myself, if you will, <laughs> because it's the 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 type of uh, the type of reading and type of approach uh, I like to take. Um, so, it, it 
you know, a lot of ways, like I said, I, I think a lot of people do that. You know, you write the book that you wish existed, I guess. Um, and, and hopefully it uh, brings, um, you know, brings some value to other people as well. What do you think, um, like, what do you recommend for people who are, um, like, I guess, is, is there a particular level where you think this, this type of book is like most appropriate for the person just getting started or more for the person who's kind of maybe more established, kind of knows the direction they're going? Like, and, and how, would you, how would you apply this practically? Well, I, I've actually talked to a lot of folks that are kind of as I was, as I've been writing this book, as I've gone out and done uh, workshops and things. Um, I'm I'm meeting people of all ages, and it is interesting. Um, you know, a lot of times when people are just getting started, they feel like, yeah, I need this. Uh, I, I need somebody to tell me it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, right? But, and and this book certainly offers a little bit of that, um, and also. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of this book is about learning to trust yourself and and learning to say, okay, I, I can ignore other people or I can change my mind. I mean, those are all things that come, I think, by when, when you develop a level of self-trust. But then I've also found um, folks that, you know, like myself that have been doing this for a while that this book in some ways offers um, insight into... Meaning, you know, is what I've been doing for all this time making a difference? You know, you know, whose life is has been bettered because you know I've taken this path? And I think a lot of people naturally, quite naturally, as they um, are in their venture for a lot of times, I, I think we we all kind of generally come to that point of of trying to you know understand you know intentionally um, the the value that I'm bringing to the world, not just you know to feed my family, but uh, to make other people's lives better. And and so I. I think that's just natural in terms of you know your experience level, but I think this book, in a lot of ways, offers uh, something for for really you know kind of both levels. What do you see, you know, and in, in, in with your experience on the you know duct tape marketing side of things, and and for the many years that you've been doing this, and now more most recently, kind of making this more um, timely as well. You know, there's there's I believe there are like foundational success principles. There's like foundational like kind of pillar stuff you need to do as an entrepreneur or a creator. Um, but there's also, I think, mistakes that are common maybe to the era or to the time period. I'm wondering if in the last like 6 to 12 months, um, or, or even if you extrapolate further and you've seen it still, it's more consistent than that, the common like challenges or errors or problems that entrepreneurs typically face. And like why you think this is like the, the place to start to solve those? Well, I, I think, I think the... You know, we, there are probably hundreds, but I think right. the two that are so connected are distraction and comparison. You know, it's so easy to get distracted and spend all your day, you know, fuddling around with your email and and responding to people on you know Facebook, and then you look up at the end of the day and you haven't really worked on anything that was a priority or anything that's going to move the needle. And sometimes that's you know that's because that's hard work or because that you're afraid you know, to put that thing out there in the world and these distractions, you know, make it seem like you're doing work. The, the other one is, is comparison. And, and again, I uh, hate to keep picking on social media, but, um, you know, it's really easy to see other people talking about their incredible life, their incredible business, their incredible children, you know, and get very, very kind of caught up in the fact that, that, you know, most entrepreneurs feel like they haven't done enough. They haven't reached the goal they were trying to reach. And so, when you throw that kind of comparison, whether it's accurate or not, uh, into the mix, I think it it can weigh on you and and start kind of really crank up that voice inside your head, you know, telling you, you know, what's the point of all of this? Um, so so I think that I think the most successful entrepreneurs that that you know I've encountered over the years, you know, don't suffer from those two things, um, or they find a way to 
to, to shut them out and, and live more in the present. And I think that that's a, a big theme that runs through this book. Uh, you know, there are six or seven themes that, that, you know, I touch on a lot and, and mindfulness and, you know, letting go of control, you know, trying to control the things that you have no control over, like what happened in the past or what might happen in the future, what somebody says, um, you know, how they respond to, you know, you don't have any control over those things. The only, the only thing you have control over is, is how you show up um, and how you respond uh, to everything that happens in the present moment. So practicing uh, mindfulness is, is a big, big theme in this book. On, on those two points, I, you know, I think it's interesting because it's like, I agree. Like, I think that's becoming more and more true in my life too, the, the need to focus on the present. But with, with a caveat or maybe a, a, an asterisk next to that, which is like, as long as like the direction, the focus, the mm-hmm. aim is on point, because then you can, you can do a full day's work, look up, okay, yep, I'm still heading the right direction, and then, and then move on. And you don't spend a lot of time you know, mapping things out. It's like, no, we got the map, broadly speaking. Now we're going to do one day at a time and we're going to traverse that path and we're, that's, that's the journey we're on. It's really hard. I've realized, like, I think a lot of that comes through uh, age, maybe, and wisdom and just trial and error and getting used to it because it's kind of an uncomfortable place to be unless you have a lot of confidence, hope, and like positive expectation of where you're going. So I'm kind of curious on this front too. Where, where, what are you, what's your thoughts on goals and like setting, setting your aim? Yeah, I, I'm. I think they're. I think they are a tricky. That's a tricky subject because I don't think there's anything wrong with having goals and objectives. But I, I think where they run people uh, off course is when they get very attached to. Here's exactly how I get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, because what happens then is we get really disappointed when something doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go, or we try to force you know some some solution you know even though it's it's not there. And I think. I think that people that stay very, uh, very detached from how, I mean, they have like the goal, but they stay uh, somewhat detached from, you know, how it happens are actually able to, uh, to recognize opportunities and, and to, to kind of reframe when something doesn't work as, you know, maybe a positive thing. <laughs> you know, there, I, I know, you know, from the, from the value of hindsight, you know, how many times, Something didn't happen, but a better result became because of it. Um, and and you know, after a while, you start you start seeing that luck, you know, show up, um, and it makes you start kind of relaxing about uh, you know and letting go of you know trying to control how things are going to happen. Now, the slippery slope part of that is a lot of goal setters will say, well, you know, if you if you you know detach completely from how you're going to get there, you know, and how you're going to get there is hard work. Um, then you know how you know how do you ever expect to meet your goals? And I just one one of the challenges with that uh, mindset is you know how many people do you just see that are they're set on a goal and and set on exactly how they're going to get there and they got their nose to the grindstone and they've just sucked all the joy out of <laughs> out of the entire ride. Yeah, well, have you ever heard of or, or seen the movie uh, with Free Solo? I think it was. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Just yeah. recently came across that. I'd heard a bunch about it. Finally watched yeah. it. That it was pretty interesting. And yeah. but it, yeah. it makes me think. Like I, I think a mountain, mountains, also you know a great metaphor. Sure. Um, and it's like, well, the goal is to climb to the top of this mountain. You know, that's the goal. It's, it's. I think that's important. But as far as like the execution of that, you know, just like in that movie, he had to kind of shift his dates and times yeah. just based on how he's feeling. And yeah. that was just the, the nuance of that because it was like there was life and death in that situation. Obviously, our our our, uh, our stakes aren't so high in the world of like entrepreneurship and writing and, and creativity and art, but the the thought of 
this is the goal. This is the broad, broad goal. This is where, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm going. But, but then saying, well, now what's, what's the next thing I have to do? What now? What next? Actually, some of the Seth Godin, I, I, I remember reading from him in a, a blog post actually, but surprisingly just relevant. I was like, what now? What next? And it's like these simple questions. If you know what that goal is, then you can figure out the best path to get there. Um, whereas I think, I think what you're describing to me, it sounds like a lot of people get sucked into this trap where they use goal setting and, and it becomes the preoccupation. It becomes that distraction for them instead of being more simple. And then they try to make everything super detailed in their goals and their achievements and their charting of progression. And I think that can be just as disastrous as like no, no aim and no goal at all. Yeah, and I mean, you see these, you, you see these Pinterest boards of you know that talk about hustle and grind mm-hmm. and uh, never, ever, ever give up and you know those kinds of things. And I think that that doesn't sound like very, that doesn't sound like a, a very joyful ride to me. No, and I, I actually am a big proponent of like I have a workhorse mentality or the uh, the, the pack mule mentality. I actually kind of just deep in my bones, I kind of get it. That's how I, I view life, and it's good for me. But I. I enjoy that the the burden, the heavy lift of the burden. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's um, but it's it is interesting. And I think um, you know, just it, I, I like how you pointed out it was two things. And so it sounds like it's like if you can, on the positive, the flip side of those 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 where people typically make those mistakes, it's focus. Yep. And and then let's see, it's focus and it's daily. Well, practice, daily practice, daily consistency. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, I'm not the first person to talk about mindfulness, but you know, that's that's something that actually, you know, we've we have developed the habit of mindlessness, <laughs> and so developing the habit of mindfulness, and and even tricking yourself into, you know, I do little goofy things like, you know, three times a day, I'll stop and and close my eyes and and take you know five deep breaths. I mean, it takes mm-hmm. no time at all, but it just brings me back to, you know, nothing else matters but right now, and and I think that that. You know, little practices like that, um, I, I think, help you have better meetings and things. You know, I mean, I, we're all guilty of, especially in this technology now, where we can do these meetings like this. You mm-hmm. know, where we're not really sitting in a room with people. I mean, yeah. you, you see people doing this, and they're doing. You hear the keyboard clicking and all, you know, all this other stuff, and it's like, you know, we're not we're not giving we're not giving our full or our all in anything. And and I think multitasking is a complete myth. <laughs> you mm, know, and it is. You basically just don't serve either tasks that you're working on. So, you know, just finding ways to, to make sure that you're fully present um, just, just makes everything less stressful, I think. Yeah. Do you have any... Um, and I know that's not like the, the angle you're going with this, obviously, but I think it is a supportive element. What else? Like you, you give the idea of like just every now and then, like the idea of taking a deep breath. Um, are there any other, you know, hacks or tricks or anything like that that you personally incorporate that kind of helps you stay focused or you know, keep your eye on 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 the ball, or sure. you know, get to work, do the work well, and and do it every day. Well, uh, uh, there's a couple things that I've done for years, um, and it, it, it's a planning practice um, that I you know I typically do on Sunday evenings. I plan my week. You know, what are my big things I need to accomplish this week? So that and 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 I schedule them. I mean, the, the main thing is if you don't do that, it'll get gobbled up with with uh, sometimes valuable, sometimes not so valuable um, activities and, and, and appointments. So that's number one. I mean, I really make sure that I have that time. And then for years, I have taken uh, Tuesday and Thursday, and I call them focus days. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times on you know, Monday, Wednesday, you know, Friday, I'm, I'm doing task-oriented uh, stuff, you know, checklist kind of stuff. And, and you know, on Tuesday and Thursday, I might record 
you know, a bunch of videos or I might write something. Uh, I might, uh, you know, plan kind of a, a new project out, you know, the, the kind of stuff where you, you probably benefit from some runway uh, um, to kind of get going. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when, if I have something that's going to take me a couple hours to write or something, you know, it takes me 30 minutes of mm-hmm. fussing to get myself into it. And, um, and so, you know, sometimes you, you, if you don't plan for that kind of stuff, you know, you, you'll never get the time to do it. So it sounds like a, a, a couple of things that I think you can implement or some people should try out for themselves to see if they like it. And I, I, I kind of try to do that. And I find when I do that, you know, my week seems to be more on point, but it's like kind of, kind of planning or, or chunking out the week of work in front of you yeah. um, before it begins. And then I, I th- think that's... And do you, are you big on a calendar? I know that's like a really specific question, but what, what yeah. are your opinions on that? Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm, I use a calendar, but I, I, in some ways I probably use it um, a little differently than some people in that I, you know, I, anything I want to get done goes on the calendar. So yep. you know, not just my appointments, but exactly. Uh, no, I need this block to create X, yep. Y, and Z. That becomes an, a, an appointment. Um, I'll tell you another thing that, um, and, and I don't know if you know Brant Menswar, um, but uh, he's, he's a, a, a speaker and um, um, I had him on my podcast and uh, he had, uh, a really great point. So his whole thing is about, you know, staying true to your values. So identify your values, bring them into every day, you know, to, to, to your work. Um, and so he, you know, he has like five core values and he actually puts them on his meetings. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. So like, like if one of your core values is, is listening or, you know, curiosity or hope or, you know, all the things like that, that that you actually then enter a meeting, you know, making sure that you are focused on hope and that that or trust, um, and mm. in that meeting, and uh, you know, I think, you know, that that's you know, we all talk about these core values and you know, how do you bring them in, but but boy, schedule down to the point of scheduling your meeting <laughs> with you know, making sure that you focus on that, I, I think is a brilliant way to. Um, you know, to make sure that you're you're living your your values, um, because it's it's really easy to get knocked off course. Um, you know, throughout the course of a day, just you know all the things that go on. I know I you know by two o'clock I'm you know mentally zapped. You know, a lot of days, and uh, so I, I thought that was brilliant. I love that. Like two two big uh, things to me that kind of that stand out just to highlight. You know, you mentioned how you use the calendar. I'm, I use that exactly the same way. And I, what I found is the visual, like using something like Google Calendar, mm-hmm. seeing the, the, the week visualized yeah. and chunked by like an, you know, half an hour to an hour tasks and stuff like that. It, you realize how little time you have yeah. and how much you have to actually um, just be ruthless with your time. Like That's why I think that's such a good task for somebody to just try to do at least once. Just... just um, Actually, like map out your work day in hours or or, or per- periods of time when you're working on something, and then try to do that for a week. It'd be kind of interesting. I find for me, it's 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 a perpetual learning experience. But I over, over I always overestimate what I can do yeah. in like a given day um, or week, typically. So I'm trying to get better at that. But I found that that's a good forcing function. The idea of now it, embedding the values, what you care about, what your values are, your business core values, your personal core values, into those. Sessions, I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So I love I, that. Yeah, it's just a visual reminder. If you're using that tool, and we're all in that tool every day, it's just a great way to get yourself snapped back. 
Um, hey, you know, one thing we talked about uh, before we started recording was, we, you know, we've been talking about this book and sort of the format of it and whatnot. Um, yeah. What if I read a page as a... Yeah, let's do it. Kind of give people a real real taste of uh, of what the book, how the book uh, sets out. So as I said, it's every day. So um, we're recording this on December 6th. I don't know when people will end up listening to it, but I'll just read December 6th uh, just for just to pick one. Every day starts with a title and then a reading that today ha- happens to actually come from Thoreau. And then anywhere from 100 to 200 words from me trying to contextualize it. And then I lead you every day, leave you every day with a question that uh, hopefully, hopefully is the thing that kind of lingers the most, especially if the question seems a little hard to answer in that particular moment. So December 6th, something wonderful. This curious world which we inhabit is more wonderful than it is convenient, more beautiful than it is useful. It is more to be admired and enjoyed than used. We rejoice in it as one more indication of the entire and universal freedom that characterizes the age in which we live, or as an indication that the human race is making one more advance in that infinite series of progressions which awaits it. That's from Henry David Thoreau, and it's actually a letter that he wrote to Nathaniel Hawthorne in 1865. Let's face it, this curious entrepreneur thing is sometimes more wonderful than convenient, and at other times more beautiful than it is useful. But it is certainly one more indication of the entire and universal freedom that characterizes the age in which we live. To think any other way is to abuse this freedom. It's not our right. It's our honor to get to do this. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's a pain. It's a chore. It's like doing burpees. Well, maybe not quite like that, but you get it. Once the effort is put in, only something wonderful can come from it. Make peace with the hard, and let's never take the present for granted. Your challenge question for this day is, what is the most wonderful thing you get to experience and the most inconvenient? I love it. How long do you typically recommend people take to kind of, you know, reflect or answer these kind of things? Well, I I don't think there is any formula for mm-hmm. it. I mean, it takes no time at all as you as you just experienced to to read it. Um, but I do think that probably makes some sense to to you know spend some time with that. There there actually are a couple lines uh, under each question um, in the book, and and I know because people have sent me pictures that that people are writing and highlighting and doing that kind of thing. So that might be the place. That you that you want to write it, and and one of the reasons I say that is because this is one of those books that you you can read for years. Um, because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, if you when you come back a year from now and read that <laughs> that uh, day's selection, you're going to be a different person, and and it's probably going to hit you differently. Um, and wouldn't it be kind of fun to see what you wrote last year. Yeah, I have the digital copy in my in front of me, and it's been you know that's what I was reading along. It's been fun to go through it, but I'm actually excited to get the physical copy. I think this is something you kind of have to have in your hands. Sit down. I, I personally, yeah, I think. It's I mean, a, you could, you know, the digital's still good. I'm not. Yeah, I think it's an analog. No, I think it's an analog product. I totally agree. I love the idea of that, and it just seems like I, I like the idea too because it's based on the dates that I could come back to it a year from now again, just even writing in a different space on the page to see what, yeah, what the the questions or the thoughts elicit now to see like progress over time. Yeah, and I am, um, you know, more than one person has suggested that you know. The, the follow-up is the journal, of course, to go with it too. Mm. So uh, that, that, 
that may or may not happen. It depends on what my publisher thinks. I but, like uh, that this is low pressure, though. I'm just going to be real. Yeah, you yeah. Know, there's a lot. Uh, journals kind of intimidate me. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's like this is like I can for sure see myself reading a, a page and answering a question in like one or two lines. It's very low pressure, but seems like a really good forcing function. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So no, I like the idea of go go to the journal next, but this is a good place to start. Yep. Well, John, I just want to say this was a lot of fun kind of hey. diving into your your mindset and how you do what you do. Uh, I've always really admired your work. And so it's been really fun to have you on In the Trenches. Well, thank you so much. Before I let you go, I wanted to see, is there any place where people can go to find out more about you, check this out, sure. um, or grab your book? Yeah. So the book's available anywhere that you buy books. I always like to put in a plug for that local corner bookstore. Hopefully you have one of those in your town still. But you can, of course, order it from any of the online re- retailers as well. Um, if you want to find out more about the book, uh, listen to other interviews like this. Um, they You can find those at selfreliantentrepreneur.com. Um, and then if you are really curious about what I've been up to for the last couple of decades, you can find that at uh, uh, ducttapemarketing.com. And that's D-U-C-T-T-A-P-E marketing.com. Closing thoughts for 2020 the start of 2020? Well, for me, that's all I can really share, I suppose. Uh, but I would encourage others to do this. Um, you know, push yourself outside of your, your, your comfort zone, your limits, you know, experience new things. I think, to me, one of the things that, that you know, I've developed over the years as a practice is I, I read books that are not business books specifically for business ideas, uh, books about architecture or calculus or something. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. If you read them in uh, in that context of trying to learn something new that you can apply to your business, I, I just for whatever reason I always find uh, nuggets. So, so that that's not just reading. I mean, push yourself to go to places that you're not familiar with, or maybe you're uncomfortable uh, with. You know, go eat weird food. I mean, <laughs> I just think that's one of the uh, mm. uh, the best ways to grow is is to make sure that you're experimenting. I love it, and the perfect message to end on, John. Thank you so much for being on in the trenches. It was a real pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure, Tom. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating review. Just go to tomworkus.com slash iTunes, and that'll take you to iTunes where you can leave a five-star rating review. And that really helps spread the word about this podcast. And finally, if you need help growing your online business or generating new traffic leads and sales at a profit, reach out to me at tom at tomworkus.com or head over to the website tomworkus.com and sign up for the free newsletter. That's it for today. Stay frosty.